Amen and amen. Good afternoon, Central Park Baptist Church. Or rather, good evening. <laughs> good evening to y'all. How are we doing this evening? We're doing well? Amen and amen. Glad to have everyone here. If you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 642. Hymn 642, then we'll have an opening word of prayer. Hymn 642, Ring the Bells of Heaven. Ring the bells of heaven, hymn 642. Sing along. I'll ring the bells of heaven, there is joy today. For a soul returning from the wild. See the Father meets him out upon the way. Welcoming his weary wandering child. Glory, glory. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis the ransom army like a mighty sea, pealing forth the anthem of the free. I'll ring the bells of heaven, there is joy today, for the one for now is reconciled. Yes, the soul is Jesus, thank you for this uh, this afternoon, this uh, evening. Lord, I pray that you would be with your speaker as he speaks your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through him to us in truth. And Lord, I just thank you so much for what you've done on the cross for all of us. I love you, Lord, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Because you sang so wonderfully, you may be seated on this next hymn, hymn 314, even though this is an exciting hymn, it may be hard to, to stay seated. Hymn 314, Nothing But the Blood. Nothing but the blood, hymn 314, amen. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the blood, amen. Sing along. Oh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Thank you. 
Outside, say amen. amen. Yeah, all right. It, it could be worse. You know, cold front coming in this week. Amen. Going to be like 91. Did you ever think you'd be glad that it was only going to be 91? You know? Uh, but anyway, but that, that's okay. It's, uh, you know, one of these days we're going to live in a city uh, where it's going to, the, the temperature is going to be a constant. Right. 65 degrees. Well, that, and say, how do you know that? Well, I don't, but, you know, hey, I like 65. 65, you know, there's not going to be any electric bills, perpetual light. There you go. Amen. Yep. No, uh, no, uh, no work on the roads, amen, because the roads are all going to be made out of, paved with pure gold, amen. Transparent, by the way. You can, it's in, that's in there. Yep. So, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be an awesome thing. No more uh, HOAs. Amen. Uh, don't have to worry about painting anything the same cutlet, you know, the, because it's going to be perfect because the Lord's building it Himself. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. anyway, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. If you have your bulletins, grab those, if you would please. Soul winning Saturday morning, 9:30. Uh, men and ladies, please, uh, uh, please uh, be here ready to go for that. Uh, all, ladies retreat. Uh, if you would please sign up for that September 8th and 9th, that's coming up. They, there's about 17, I think, that have signed up for that. Uh, ladies, please, uh, I don't know what time Miss White told you to be here to leave, but uh, uh, we'll, those that are riding the bus, we'll take the bus up there. So please be here a little early so we can, you know, get there in time to for the services and everything that evening, okay? The Andretti. Driving thing coming up September 16th. Uh, it look, it, the list is full, but there's there's room on the side over there. Okay, uh, there. You, you know, I always tell you, you know what this uh, this white space in your Bible is for. It's to write in. Yeah. Amen. It, I, it's to write all you know. Well, the same thing about that piece of paper out there. That column out there is for you to write in. So please. You just write that in if you want to go and uh, and see uh, Brother uh, Elias about that. He's got all the information about that. Or Brother Clark, I'm sorry, uh, talk to him about that as well, all right? Um, sight and Sound uh, is coming up. I know that's still in October, but uh, even if you, you think about going, please sign up. And uh, for that, uh, the... the uh, prices and everything is on that sheet out there if you'd like to know more about that just ask me and i'll give you that information all right uh the, this friday men and uh, pickleball all right uh, i don't know if i'm coming because uh, brother wu hurt my feelings 
because somebody asked him, I asked him, I said, are you going to be on my team? And he said, no, I want to win. And now I got news for him. <laughs> I may be 64, but I'm telling you, you know, you, when you, you're throwing down the gauntlet when you talk like that, amen? Uh, but anyway, men, see uh, Brother DeVito about that. Uh, he has all the information if you'd like to go. Last time you guys did that, they had a great time, so please don't forget. Then Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, ladies, for, uh, for your sewing, so please... Uh, and I guess, Brother Shelton, if you want to go, if you want to come up and sew, you're more than welcome to do that. So, uh, But ladies' sewing is at 10, and uh, so please don't forget about that, all right? Uh, watch watch the, uh, the uh, thermometer out here for the um, uh, debt retirement. Uh, they're going to update that this week. And so um, I was, again, surprised by what's come in, and... Uh, so I've had somebody say, well, how much is it? Well, pay attention to your bulletin Sunday. And also uh, look at the, uh, the thermometer out there Sunday. It'll all be updated, and it may surprise you as well. And all I can say is God is good. Amen? Amen. And uh, I'm thankful for, for that. Okay, now grab your prayer sheets. If you need one, please uh, raise your hand up, and the men will get you one of those. And uh, we want you to be sure and have one. Uh, please remember all of these on our. Uh, please remember to pray for all of these on our. Thank you, Brother John. Uh, on our prayer sheet, remember to pray for them. Uh, I mean, there's a lot on here. I just had an update for Brother Gene Harmon. I talked to him the other day. He's had one surgery. They were getting ready to go back to China, and uh, then of course they he had cancer surgery, took out some lymph nodes and uh, things of that nature. Uh, again, he's, I, I told him I didn't think anybody in New, from New Jersey got sick. You know, I mean, kind of like being from Argentina almost. I just don't, I just don't think anybody from, in, from down in that area gets sick. Y'all, are y'all still with me? Say amen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he's having another surgery. He's having a radical tonsillectomy the middle of September where they have found some more cancer. They think it's uh, for Brother uh, Harmon. They think it's uh, just right there from, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. When you get older, I've heard that anything like that is, is extremely painful. Uh, so, um, but the good thing about it is if you can tolerate ice cream, you can eat all you want, you know. Uh, but pray for Brother Gene. He's a... Uh, uh, I'm, I've come to love him. He's a, just a good man, good missionary. Uh, he he told me, he said, in between the surgery, in, th in fact, I think it's next week, he said, pray for me because uh, before the surgery, he said, I have an opportunity to preach uh, a meeting to from anywhere between 500 and 700 Hindu people. So he is looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, so, man, and... Uh, just so please pray for him. I mean, he's still preaching, you know, even though he's facing some of these things, God's still using him, so keep him in your prayers. Again, there's a lot of other folks on here on our help list. Please take the time and and uh, mention them. Uh, I appreciate your prayers for my mom. I, I've spent time with her Monday, and uh, she's doing good, so uh, and do, making some improvements. So please, I, pray, I appreciate that and ask you to continue to pray for her, okay? 
Um, good to see Brother Merlo here with us this evening. I mean, he's a, he came all the way from Argentina just to hear me preach. Amen. Amen. No, but I, I just I, I love Brother Merle. He's a, he's the only person that I've I really I really like him about ninety eight percent. The other two percent not so much because uh, God asked me to give him my golf clubs one one time when he was here, and I've never I've never given away golf clubs in my life. But when a missionary comes through and the Lord touches your heart about something, the only thing I know to say is you just follow through, amen. And in fact, I, it took me a day, brother. Mer I told brother Merlo this. I went after we played one day. I went home and took my golf clubs with me. And all that day, God just kept telling me, "Hey, what are you doing? I, I mentioned to you to give those to him, and you didn't do it. So what? What are you doing?" And the next day, I told God I was sorry, and I gave him my golf clubs. And you know, and and he he probably pawned them or something. You know, I mean. <laughs> But no, but it, it is good to see Brother Merlo. I appreciate him uh, being with us tonight. But continue Amen. to uh, continue to pray for him, all right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, and again, pray for these on our, our prayer list tonight. Please take these prayer sheets home and, and, uh, put a, uh, and pray for these. Put a picture to them in your uh, pictorial directory that was put together. And I, I promise you it'll change the way you pray when you, when you put a face on the names of those that you pray for. So please uh, continue to pray for the, uh, uh, again, a special prayer. One more thing for Brother Kurt Bogard. He's having surgery, just some things that got in some infection, I think, in one of his knees, so they have to redo that. So pray for him, too, if you would, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father God, that you hear us when we call. I'm thankful, Lord, that you said you deliver us out of all our trouble. And God, I pray that we would spend time on our face before God and uh, seeking your face, Lord, and asking you, God, with prayer and supplication, Lord, and God, just uh, bearing our hearts and our souls to you, Lord, and uh, about our lives, Lord, and, and uh, God, most of all for others, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to lift these names up in prayer that we have mentioned. Lord, we uh, pray again for those that are recovering from surgery, God, we uh, Brother Mark, we lift him up in prayer. Brother Gene Harmon, who we've mentioned tonight, God, we pray that you would continue to be with him. And Lord, thank you for the uh, uh, the answer to prayer for mom and the way you've watched over her. We pray, God, that you'd continue to be with her. Pray, God, that you would be with uh, Miss Erica, Lord, and Brother uh, Gary as well and their help. And Lord, a special prayer for Brother Kurt Bogard, our our missionary to Nicaragua. God, we, we pray for these missionaries, God, and ask you to be with them. Good to see Brother uh, Merlot here tonight. God, I pray that you'd continue to be with him and bless him, Lord. And God, I pray that everything that we do bring honor and glory to your name. I pray that you'd be with our outreach here at Central Park Baptist Church, that God, that you would bless our efforts, that your hand of favor would be upon us, Lord, as we go out and knock on these doors and God, we will never know the impact that that has, Lord, on this side of heaven. But one day we will. And, God, we may be reaching people that we never knew that we would reach, Lord, just simply by leaving a track on their door. And, and so, God, we pray that you'd help us. Help us to be uh, diligent. Help us to be, uh, Lord, to persevere. Help us to be consistent, God, in our going. But, Lord, help us to commit in our going as well. And I pray, God, that you would... Uh, again, go before us. Give us strength as as we go. 
God, I pray and thank you for our people tonight, Lord. Bless them and pray, God, that you'd watch over them. And I ask you, God, to bless this offering. Bless the gift and the giver. Thank you, Lord, for those that have been giving, Lord. And God, for those that have been giving over and above their tithes and offerings and above their missions, God, to give toward uh, our debt retirement. God, thank you, Lord, for them. And pray, God, that you'd speak to the hearts of all our folks about uh, being a part of that. And God, we'll give you praise for it. Bless this, Lord, this offering again. And we ask, God, all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. If you're able to rest upon your feet, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 444, hymn 444, I've Got a Mansion. We'll do all verses and then please greet each other at the conclusion of this hymn, hymn 444, I've Got a Mansion.
First Samuel chapter 19. First Samuel chapter 19. First Samuel chapter 19. We're going to begin. We're going to read verse 1 through 7. First Samuel 19, uh, verse 1 through 7. Found your place. Say amen. As and Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand, and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice." Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, As the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and uh, Jonathan showed him all those things, uh, all, all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for your word. I pray, God, that your hand will be upon me as I preach. And uh, God, as I ask often, and Lord, I ask all times, God, to help me, Father, to stay within the context of your word, and uh, God, that I might give things, some things to the people, Lord, through you, God, that it might help us and strengthen us, Lord, and uh, God, I give you praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We left off last week in verse 29 of chapter 18, uh, and we learned that Saul became... Uh, David's enemy most of the time. Now it says continually. Look in verse 29 in chapter 18. Just turn back if you need to a page. Uh, and it says continually. And we know that, that, that this isn't, it's not just a little friction thing, you know, on, on the job type thing. And it's not even a, uh, a strained relationship like you might have with a neighbor or something. Because as we talked about last week, Saul is still plotting to kill David. I mean, this is not, so this is not just some kind of a friction or strained relationship. In fact, all through chapter 19, Saul tries over and over to kill David. But if, as you read, all the plots against David's life are foiled. They fail. And, and the reason is because you can't fight against God and win. I mean, I mean it's, it's impossible. Uh, God's always going to win. Uh, and these attacks against David are, are typical of Satan's attacks. And in fact, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I want you to see this. Uh, the first thing that we notice about David or Satan attacking David is that uh, it being a typical of his attacks is that Satan attacks that which is valuable to Israel. All right? Uh, look, remember, if you look in verse 30 of chapter 18... Uh, it, it tells us that David was much set by, in those three words. In other words, 
David was much precious or he was valuable. That's what that means. And, and, and Satan is always trying to attack those things that are of great value, especially things that are of great moral value and those things are of, that are of a great spiritual value. Satan will always try to attack those things. So we understand. Now watch, I want you to get this. So we ought not be surprised by Satan attacking God's word. Why? Because it's valuable. That's what that means. It's precious. We ought not be surprised when Satan attacks God's day. Sunday. Amen. Y'all's here. Say amen. We ought not be uh, caught off, uh, uh, you know, caught by surprise when Satan attacks, I don't know, marriage or the family or godly morals or prayer or holy living. Listen, because Satan attacks that which is valuable. Uh, I mean, and think about this. We're talking about murder, all right? Satan is act. He is literally trying to kill David. Why? What? Because David is God's anointed king. God chose him. God put him there. So Satan attacks that which is valuable. But notice also when Satan attacks, his attacks are vicious. All right. Uh, they're wicked. Satan, under the guise of religion, think about this, has murdered. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Christians under the guise of religion. You go back and read history. I'm telling you, Catholics killed thousands and thousands of Christians, burned them at the stake because they wouldn't give up their faith. Uh, and it's still going on today, by the way. Christians are still being oppressed and Christians are still being killed. And it's just a vicious, wicked attack of Satan. That the oppression of Christians also comes. Now watch, it, it comes in the cloak of things like abortion. Things like homosexuality or transgender and all those other kinds of things. And, and I'm just thinking about that. Listen, there's only two genders. Amen. God said he made them male and... Yeah, I mean, so there's only two. It's amazing how confused people are. And if they just get read it out of here, it would solve a lot of confusion. Amen. So according to Scripture, we can understand here that as we read in chapter 19 that Satan's attacks are, are vicious and they're wicked and he's, he will do the same thing to you. His attacks against you uh, of a spiritual nature are always going to be wicked and, and vicious. He's not trying to, you know, just, you know, wound you a little bit. Oh, no, he wants to kill you. Amen. But notice in verse 1, I want you to see as Saul brings his summons for murder. I mean, the first plot to kill David in our text involves his court. It's in, it involves Saul's court. He comes as a king to his people. And, and again, this is a wicked, evil summons. Look in verse 1. The Bible says, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. What a wicked thing to do. I mean, and watch, and it happened in the court of King Saul. But understand here that God, God is not ruling in the court of Saul. Saul is ruling in the court of Saul. And when God is not ruling, wicked counsel takes over. Man, we could apply that in a lot of different places. 
Uh, notice in, again the pro uh, progression of evil and what's going on. If you go back to chapter 18, you'll, you'll and read there again, when Saul is trying to kill David, his attempts were subtle. Now, I understand he threw a javelin, but, but, but Saul, when he throws his javelin, he is under the influence of an evil spirit. He's literally lost his mind. He's lost control. So we, we understand that he does that. But, but we also see that he, Saul is uh, uh, subtle in his attempts to kill David when he sends him out against the Philistines. It, it's a subtle, underhanded way to try to uh, make sure that David is killed. He sends him out here knowing that he's going to fight against these Philistines and just hoping, they, uh, Saul is just hoping that, that Saul or, or David will get killed as a result of going out there. I mean, he's subtle about it. But now, this time... Uh, Saul comes right out and tells his servants and, and, and tells his son, Jonathan, about his desire toward David. And these intentions against David shows us that, that Saul's evil against David is only getting worse. He's not trying to hide it anymore. But he, he's not ashamed of it anymore. And unashamed, watch, he puts his evil intentions right out there. Now, pay attention, and I want you to get this. Hear how Saul does it. Saul makes his intentions known by a royal summons. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says, and Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants. So he has called them into his court, and he's making this summons to them and making this declaration uh, to kill David. I mean, and, and get this, he's not trying to hide it, but he's doing it by royal summons, and by doing that, He's giving respect to what he expects these people to do. And I want, to under, want you to understand this, that dignifying sin is a habit of those who are unrepentant about sin in their life. We can see Saul doing this very thing here. Listen, he is, he is trying to dignify what he is doing by making it a royal summons, by doing it from the court. He's, he's trying to justify him wanting to kill David. And he's giving him a little, listen, how often do people today do things in this world and try to tag religion on the end of it to try to justify what they're trying to do? Yeah. Um. I mean, if we don't repent of our sin, let me say it again, sooner or later we will give respect to it. Sooner or later we will find a way to justify it. That's how we've got abortion. That's how we've got things like homosexuality and, and all these other things. That's why a thief is not a thief anymore. He's a kleptomaniac. That's why, you know, we put a name on these things to try to make it more palatable, to try to make it a little easier to swallow. Listen, but, but according to Scripture, sin is sin, it's vicious, it's hideous, and it ruins the life of people. No matter how much we try to justify it, wrong is still wrong. No matter how small we may think it is, sin is still sin to God. And all this elevating of sin only shows just you know that society's condition is getting worse and worse because we tried to we put it in our schools we try to make it if we listen if we can start out things that are wrong and, and you know and, and put it in the schools and teach to our children by the time they get you know young adult age listen it, it it's not going to be a big deal 
And we've justified it. We've made it respectful. God help us never to make sin respectful. Amen. Amen. So Saul tries to make what he's doing, uh, trying to kill David, respectful. Uh, But notice, uh, I I like this because we can see the providence of of God against evil here. Uh, Because, you know, sometimes it looks like God has lost control. Amen. Does it not? Do, do we not look around today and we and look at things in, around the world and we and we think that evil things are just you know it's just evil has taken over? We think that and it looks like that. But can I tell you? Listen, if we look at things around the world with a world view, a humanistic view, that's exactly how they're going to look. It's going to look like that that God has lost control, that man has taken over or Satan has taken over because we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities. We're going to think that that Satan has done, he he is controlling everything. But listen, that that is not right. That is a foolish way to think. We need to look at things from a biblical worldview and look at everything through the perspective and the eyes of Almighty God, and we will see that God is in control. I was, me and Brother Clark was just talking about this. Listen, God can take evil men and accomplish His will with them if He chooses to do that. See it all through Scripture. And we see it right here with Saul. Uh, God has not lost control. Listen, Saul, by being king, he may give some authority and power to the attack on David's life. But when Saul, watch, when Saul told Jonathan along with the servants, he made a mistake. He he did something probably that he didn't really think through. Look in verse 2. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. In other words, he cared about David. He loved David. And listen, and he went and told David exactly what's going on. If Saul had not included Jonathan, included Jonathan, his son, and all this, then David, I believe, would have probably been killed because he wouldn't have known what was taking place. But in the providence of God, you say, oh, that was just a coincidence. No, it wasn't. Listen, do you understand there's no such thing as luck in the child of God in his life? Why? Because God said that the steps of a righteous man are ordered up by God. God God knows where you're going. He's even counted the, if you've got hair on your head, he even knows how many you got. Listen, he takes care of his own. And we can see that he's doing that with, with David and he's doing it in his providence through Jonathan. Listen, it's easy for God to ruin the plans of evil people. That's nothing to God. I mean, what is it to God to ruin the plans of, an, of evil people when, after he has made everything out of nothing? Yeah. So by the providence of God, listen, he makes sure, God makes sure that evil and sinful plans are foiled and truth comes to the surface. Listen, the Bible says that the truth will make you free. Amen, yeah. Uh, and we see it here with Jonathan when he tells David of Saul's plans. Look, I mean, we, we see the providence of God 
Uh, we, it, through Paul's nephew when he hears of an evil plot to kill Paul in Acts chapter 23 and verse 16. We also see the providence of God as it, uh, uh, Eli, Elisha learns from God the secret plans of the king of Syria against the king of Israel in 2 Kings chapter 6. Listen, God has no problem messing up the plans and the evil of Satan, period, because he's God. Look in verse chapter. Uh, look in verse two again. We uh, it, well look over in chapter eighteen, verse five. I want you to see this first. Notice something about these servants in chapter eighteen and verse five. Look what it says. Find your place. Say amen. That ain't very many. Just turn one page. You'll probably be there. Okay. Chapter eighteen, verse five. It says, "And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely." And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people. And what? Here it is. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Saul's servants, they like David. But now you come over here to chapter 19 and verse 2. Look what it says. It says, Jonathan, or Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. It didn't say, but, but Jonathan and the servants delighted much in David. And it doesn't say that the servants and Jonathan told David. It's just Jonathan. You know what I think? I think that the servants turned on David. You can go back and read this a little bit later. They, they didn't have the conviction to stand against Saul when he gave them the summons to kill David. The number of people all over the place are just like this. They hold all types of positions in all types of places, and they're more interested in position than they are in purity. I was talking to a preacher just this afternoon about, about uh, some things, and uh, in fact, about other preachers that are in positions of, uh, of leadership that have, that have listen, they've, they've left the conservative fundamental uh, uh, ranks and they've moved over here to the contemporary to the liberal side of things and, and listen, why because they didn't have the conviction to take a stand when it came time to take a stand and they're in leadership roles in conservative baptist bible colleges it's some place god's people have got to say listen we are not going any further when are we going to do that come on y'all stay here say amen Somebody has got to take a stand. Well, that's exactly what Jonathan is doing. Listen, Jonathan is taking a stand, and that's, that's what you and I, Christians today, need to do. God help us as Christians to be like Jonathan, who strongly and courageously oppose and protest the things that are trying to take us in directions that we ought not go. Amen, Brother White. Listen, uh, if we don't, when are we going to stop? When are we going to take a stand? If you, uh, listen, if you get on a greasy pole, you're going to ride it all the way to the bottom. I mean, that's pretty simple. It's, a, it's the same thing today about, uh, about God's Word and about being a, a, a strong, independent, fundamental, King James Bible, premillennial, devil-hating Baptist. Uh, the servants were easily swayed. Look in verse 2 again. 
the danger in, in the summons. I'm, I'll read it again. It says, But Jonathan, Saul's sons, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning and hide in a secret place and, and hide thyself. Now, Jonathan told David in plain words exactly what Saul was plotting. You remember we talked about this uh, Sunday afternoon about Moses when God said, Moses, this is what you tell the people. And the Bible says, so Moses so spake. In other words, Moses told uh, the Israelite just exactly what God told him to say. Here we're seeing another example of this very thing. Listen, Saul, he had bad news, and here comes Jonathan. He didn't try to water down the words of Saul to David. He simply said, listen, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. He didn't try to soft soap it. He didn't try to, uh, uh, you know, skirt the issue and just try to move him out of the way. No, listen, Jonathan told David exactly what was going on. Amen. We should not be timid about telling the truth. God help us today. Pastors and preachers don't need to be harsh. We don't need to be mean-spirited about saying what God said. But we do need to speak plain truth. Some have said, well, I won't preach on hell and damnation. Some have even said, well, we ought to preach more loving sermons. Well... Listen, where did Jonathan's message to David, uh, what motivated him to tell David? Well, what motivated Jonathan to tell David was because he loved him. He cared about him. Listen, he went and told him the truth because he cared about David. The Bible says that Jonathan delighted much in David, which tells me that those who will not preach about the danger of going to hell because they reject Jesus Christ, they don't care about the people. If they cared about the people, they'd tell them the truth. Jonathan's love for David motivated him to tell David exactly what was going on. So Jonathan goes to David and says, hey, Jonathan, or hey, David, listen, Saul, my father, he's going to try to kill you. He, I mean, he could have said a lot of things. You know, hey, why don't you go, uh, why don't you, you know, you've been working awful hard the last couple of weeks. Why don't you move, go out of town for a while? No, that, that wasn't it. Saul's going to try to kill him. Listen, you know, if, if people are lost, we need to tell them about hell. But now, wait a minute. Jonathan didn't stop. That This is a great picture of, to me of not just telling people about what's going to happen if they reject Jesus Christ, but, but Jonathan also gave him the solution. Look, keep going. Look in verse 2. Jonathan said in verse 2, Take heed, abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. We're not only to warn people about hell, but we're to tell them how to escape hell. Let's don't leave them out here dangling over hell with no hope. Listen, the escape is in the secret place. Why, where's that secret place? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. Psalm 91 and 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, listen, in Christ, our soul is hidden from the judgment of Almighty God. Praise the Lord. 
Listen, we're not only to tell people about what's going to happen because they reject Christ, because the Bible says, He that believeth not, uh, or he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But we can go right behind that and tell them, but John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That, By the way, that word is left out a lot of the new versions. Begotten means that he was born. He was born of a virgin. Listen, God gave his son. He died on the cross so that we could have everlasting, eternal life. Amen. That's the solution. And Jonathan tells David, listen, David, you go hide in a secret place and I'll come. David did just that. Now watch. If David failed to heed the instructions of Jonathan concerning what he ought to do in his safety, he's going to die. I believe he would have perished. The same is true of those who refuse to heed God's instructions about salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll die in their sin and go to hell simply because they refuse the instruction. You know, the old saying, you can lead a horse to water. Yep. Listen, we can lead people to, to the edge of saving. I mean, isn't there a, I don't know, place in the Bible where it says, Paul, almost persuadest thou me to be a Christian. And you never read of them again. Listen, sometimes we've got to be careful because that one, that one opportunity may be their last opportunity. Look in verse 3. Um, it says, it, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art and will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, that I will tell thee. Listen, Jonathan took a, a, a really a courageous stand against the evil plot of Saul trying to kill his father. The Bible says and tells that Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul, his father. And you go on and read it. And it says, and said unto him, he hath not sinned against thee, talking to Saul, because his works have been to thee were very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. Talking about Goliath. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for Israel. Jonathan knew who gave him the victory. It wasn't, it wasn't David, but it was God through David. He said, for the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and didst rejoice. Wherefore then will thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without cause? I mean, so Jonathan here reminds Saul of everything that David has done. Everything David has done to this point has been a blessing both to Saul and to the nation of Israel. And he did it without any thought of reward or without any thought of payment. He did it for the cause. See, so what cause is that? Well, you remember David standing in the group among these, all these soldiers and in front of the king, and he said, is there not a cause? Of course there's a cause. And he still knows that. And listen, and he, he's done all these things for the cause of Christ. He did it, listen, because he loved God. And, and, and I want to say that we ought to be motivated to do the things of God that we do simply because we love God, period. Amen. Simply because he saved our wretched hell-bound soul and wrote our name down in the Lamb's book of life and he forgives us when we fail and he sets us back on a solid rock. Listen, that's the reason we ought to do that for no other reason. Yet Saul, the Bible says, or, or Jonathan says that 
that tells Saul, his father said, Saul, you, you even rejoiced in what David did. And yet here's Saul, he's rejoiced over at one point that David did all these things and, here, and Saul still wants to kill him. How unreasonable. I mean, isn't that the habit of the world though? You know, I mean, I think so, uh, uh, lost people, and even, I, I'm, I'm going to put these in here too, even Christians that are out of the will of God, they are very unreasonable. Yeah. Didn't God say, come, let us reason together? Amen. That's what he said. God's reasonable, but Saul's not. He still wanted to kill David. Listen, Christ is the source of our greatest joy. Uh, yet mankind crucified him a little over 2,000 years ago. And listen, and they're still crucifying him. They crucify his honor by their words of dishonor. They crucify him through lack of care for the cause of Christ. They crucify him afresh and anew simply because of their spirit and their attitude. And all God's people can say, amen. But notice what Saul does. Look in verse 6. It says, and Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. It's pretty impressive. Looked good. Sounded good. Outwardly. But Saul's repentance never made it to his heart. Never got there. It was a superficial repentance. You, you read, you, you read the rest of the story. I mean, it would soon be forgotten. In fact, it was forgotten as, as soon as the pressure was applied. You know, it's hard at best to tell if individuals are sincere about repentance. It's hard to tell uh, at the time that they repent. And, and listen, this is why it's so important. Uh, and, and when I encourage you to come to the altar, this is exactly right. This, this will help you coming to the altar. It helps, it gives, brings accountability. Yeah. Listen, Saul makes an outward repentance, but, but it didn't mean anything. Time will always reveal whether people are genuine or false. Time will always tell. The genuine conversion, the genuine repentance, it'll last. Always. Uh, they'll be attracted to God. People who truly get saved and repent, they'll be attracted to his word, to his church, to the things that Christ gave his life for. But those who make a false profession, they'll leave them. Eventually, they'll leave it all behind. Mark four seventeen it says, When affliction or persecution ariseth for the world's sake, immediately they are offended. Man, I've seen a lot of people get offended over church stuff simple church stuff when it ought not be offensive you know Luke 8 13 it says in time they fall away we see this in Saul's life you know look in verse 7 we see something else that takes place it says and Jonathan called David and Jonathan showed him all those things and Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in times past Saul's outward uh, repentance or outward change of attitude, it made it possible for Jonathan to bring David back into restoration in Saul's court. He came back, just like the Bible says, that, as it was in time past. And Jonathan immediately went and told David what Saul had said in verse 3. 
And David was restored. Uh, he was uh, brought back into the court of Saul. But listen, we know because we've got the, the word of God, we know that it didn't last. It, all that did was gave Saul another opportunity to try to kill David again. Um, you know, the promotions that the world gives, they don't really last. But the promotions that God gives us, they're always for our best interest. That's why we should always pray about things that God, that for God to have his way in our life and in the thing, decisions we make. Why? Because the things that the world does for us, you know, you ever heard of buyer's remorse? Yeah. You ever had it? Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, why do you think they say no payments for 90 days? Why do you think they say that? Because buyer's remorse won't set in until them first payments start coming around. Yeah. And and it, by then, there's nothing we can do for, for the most part. But yeah, that, that's what happens to Saul. Repenter's remorse. Uh, we see it. Um, and the promotions that the world give, they don't last. But the ones that God gives us will. And one of these days, is, and I'll, I'll quit, one of these days, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, we're going to get another promotion. Oh, yeah. Some, some have gone on before us. Uh, we all have loved ones in heaven. That's why our mom and daddy's in heaven waiting. Uh, I don't, you know, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, you know, I don't look forward to the day where when my parents go home to be with the Lord, I know, I know they're ready, uh, but you know, you don't look forward to those days. But listen, but one of these days, the Lord's going to call us home. If, if we live long enough, listen, if we live long enough, we're going to die. Amen. <laughs> Makes sense, right? You know why? Because God said it's appointed unto man wants to die. We all have, we, God has only appointed man to die one time. It's our choice whether we die twice. But God only appointed us once, and that's this flesh. You know, just like we see in, in, in uh, Jonathan warning David about Saul's effort. Listen, I, preachers that stand in places like this are here, and we have a responsibility to warn people that they have an appointment with death once. But it's their choice to whether they're going to have an appointment twice. Because the Bible says those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will be cast into the lake of fire. And the Bible says this is the second death. Yeah. Uh, but we don't have to do that. He said, well, what can we do? We can be witnesses. And we can be like Jonathan. We can go and warn those who are lost. We can warn, listen, the worst testimony uh, that, that a lost person could ever have is a Christian that's outside of the will of God and, and, and carnal and living in the world. It's a, it's a bad testimony against the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, I, I'm not one of these where, you know, these uh, lifestyle evangelism guys. Listen, I believe you ought to live right and live holy. But the Bible teaches us we need to open our mouth and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that Jonathan didn't say, you know, Saul, my father, he's going to kill David. But if I live right 
and be an encouragement to David. I think he'll be all right. No. He went straight to David and said, listen, you better hide in the secret place or you're going to die. And he hid in the secret place. Can I ask you, are you in the secret place? I am. Every day, I, I get in my secret place. It's not in, in a place in my house, but I, I get close to the Lord, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I, I spend time with him. I want people to know that I've spent time with God. I, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever be like Moses who got to see the hind part of God's glory and his visage shined as a result. But listen, but I do want people to see Christ in me. And the only way that they'll ever see that is if I spend time in the Word of God and spend time on my knees praying and asking God to help me. Can I encourage you to do the same thing so that others will see Christ in you? And I want to encourage, be a Jonathan and tell other people that there's danger awaiting them if they don't trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Father, help us, Lord. I pray, God, in just a moment, Lord, as we just be still.